we're kind of transitioning into a new sub-series. We're going to come back, but um, so we're, we're going to um, look at the order of salvation. And this will be helpful for you guys um, to know, you know, the work of God in salvation that he accomplished in Jesus Christ. Very helpful to have a foundation that will help you to really understand God's work. So we're going to begin reading Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to to the purpose of his will. The book of Ephesians is a grand book. I just want to encourage you to the book of Ephesians. You know, it's not just that Jesus died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. Praise God for that. But, but what God has done in, in history, what God intends to do, where he's going, is a magnificent and glorious place in Jesus Christ. And so I want to commend to you the book of Ephesians. I mean, I wish we can, you know, go through every book of the Bible and spend, you know, 650,000 years, you know, just going through, okay, now after 2,000 years, we can just go through the book of Mark, you know. <laughs> but we only have 80 years. That's not a long time. Yeah, I, I could probably stay in one year, 80 years in the book of Mark. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, but I just want to commend to you the book of Ephesians. Read it. And just, these are deep waters. The book of Ephesians is deep waters of the beauty, the majesty of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Whatever, Lord, we are trusting in your guiding hand in these next few minutes, that whatever is said would be profitable. Whatever is said would strengthen faith. Even as Paul says that you had given him authority to build up and not to tear down. You've given the church authority to build up and not to tear down, Lord. And so we, we want to build up today. We want to build everyone in their most holy faith so that when they go out into the week, when they go out into the day, there's an anchor to everything that they do, that they would do with a new attitude, they would do with a new perspective, with a new joy. And so we pray for the anointing of the Spirit of God upon all of us, Lord, not just me, but all of us, that we would truly hear what the Spirit of God is saying to the churches and cause us to rejoice. These things are for our joy, great joy. And so we, we ask you to enable us to, to captivate your heart in your word this, this, this afternoon. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so how do we get here? I mean, I'm going to get just a little bit. We've been talking about discerning, discerning. Um, we need to discern the body of Christ, and we, we, we said many things about that. But then we began to see um, the importance of the mind in the work of discerning. You know, Paul says, that we, we, those scriptures, we said that, that, that when we don't discern the body of Christ, um, there is judgment upon us. And Paul said, some are ill, some are weak, and some have died because of failing to discern the body of Christ. So we, we've, been, we've been really trying to understand what that means. And, and one of the things we said is, is how much the mind plays into, you know, that, that, that operation of discerning. And we said that 
you know, the, the mind acts as a control center, while the heart is a foundation, it is going to be the mind, according to the apostles, the mind is going to regulate, right? It's going to regulate um, this, 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 this heart and morality in many ways. So we see here, what are some ways that the, that the New Testament writers speak about the mind, that reveal the mind as the moral control center? We see that in Romans 8, verses 6 through 7. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. To set the mind, not the heart, the mind, right? Um, to set the mind on the flesh. Now, now in the New Testament, we're getting a little bit more clarity of this operation between heart and mind. And I want to encourage you to really pay close attention to, to this issue of the mind. Because I believe that, that the mind, by the power of the Spirit of God, by, by the work of Christ, the mind is going to be a wonderful instrument to begin to put into practice the things that God has given us in Jesus Christ. So Paul said, look, if you set your mind on the flesh, death. But if you set your mind on the spirit, is life and peace. So you see already the apostles are teaching that. We see, secondly, that a person's way of life is primarily a construct of the mind. Look at Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk, have your behavior, your conduct as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Right? So, so, so there's, a, there's something in the mind, we, and unfortunately we're living in, in, in the greatest mental health crisis in the history of mankind. And we all can feel the pressure of that. Right? We can all feel moments of like, okay, Lord, what's going on? And we need to hold on to the Lord. So, but so something is happening, and we need, we need, but I believe God has given us the solution in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that we can have a peace. We can have sound mind for the, right? For the, for God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. Thirdly, the New Testament writers understood that the work of sanctification and that word might scare some of you. And that's why we decided to do what we did. The work of sanctification is going to be regulated by a discipline of the mind. Romans 6, 11. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. We're going to come back to this scripture. Consider yourself. Say that with me. Consider yourself. We're going to look about what? What does he mean, consider yourself? But uh, I can tell you it is a mental function. That's a mental function. Consider yourselves dead to sin, alive to God. All right, so we're going to talk about, we're going to come back to that. So, uh, so bear with me. We're going to go several weeks to kind of, because I want I did not want to talk about the work of sanctification, lest you get confused. Because there's a work of God and sanctification is just one aspect of that work. My fear was that if I talk about this work of sanctification without providing an adequate foundation on what is the work of God, don't just give me one. Give me, help me to understand them in this context. I believe then when we talk about sanctification, then we can have a foundation we can stand on, on the, on the, on the merits and righteousness and the work of Jesus Christ so that we don't have to fear Right, because we know that Christ has accomplished it. But if I talk about sanctification, 
you can easily get misled. And that's why we decided that in order to appreciate the work of sanctification, say that quickly. Sanctification. Again. Again. Sanctification. It's an old word, but it's a good word. What in the world does that mean? All right, but in order to appreciate the work of sanctification, I felt it necessary that we consider for a few weeks the work of Jesus Christ in, re, in salvation history so that you can have the big picture. Amen? So that sanctification is just one page, one beautiful chapter in that panorama of the wonderful, glorious work of Jesus Christ. Amen? So that in every, in every one of these works, the goal is joy unspeakable, full of glory. Amen? So this is going to be, might take me two years. A little disclaimer, but it's okay. <laughs> We're going to start, but the more I think about these things, the more I get caught up and I can't control myself. <laughs> but we'll do the best we can, and you'll come with me in this journey of discovering how beautiful Christ is in all these aspects. <laughs> we are going to have fun. I can't wait, you know to tell you what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Amen? And my hope and desire is that you will rejoice. Amen? So, it's important. So, we be, last week, we, um, we began to consider, can anyone, for a, lo a little lollipop, remember the, um, the word, the Latin word that I, I taught you? you, I, you know, Okay, very good. Ordo salutis. All right, you get a lollipop. You get a lollipop. Ordo salutis, which just simply means it's a Latin word that means the order of salvation. God has order. And his order is magnificent, by the way. Like, I, I dare you to find something that God has done that you don't have joy unspeakable full of glory. Everything that God does is like, you know, it's just like, it just, it like, just, it just creates joy. He has order, and that order is magnificent. How God has saved us. Amen? I mean, like to watch a great movie. I like to watch a great movie. This is the greatest movie that you will ever see. <laughs> this is, this has wonderful, magnificent, it has everything, you know? <laughs> the agony of defeat and the, and the glory of victory, you know? So, so this is a great movie. The Order of Salutis is just simply a way to organize God's work in redemption, in redemptive history, to organize it in a way, in some kind of consecutive order. What comes first, what comes second, what comes third. Now, we have to be careful with that idea of consecutive order because God is, you know, God is... You know, sometimes these things are, are sometimes operating in tandem. And God's work never really ends. You know, it's just like there's an eternity to all that he does. But for the sake of, right, there is an order, right, right? Even as Paul says, of first importance, right, that Christ died according to the scripture. There's an order, there's a priority in what Christ, Jesus Christ, our glorious Savior, has accomplished. And so we want to understand that order. We want, it's important that you understand that order. So many people say, like, I just come to church. And they have no idea 
How did that happen? How did he come to church? Oh, well, somebody gave me a track and I invited him. Is that, the, is that all you can say? No. You're coming to church. The background of that is this glorious, magnificent work that Jesus Christ has done. And the fruit of that is me coming through the doors. Amen? So that's why the Bible says that in this book of Psalms that we enter into the house of God in the abundance of what? Mercies. So every one of us came through that door in the abundance of mercies. Did you, were you, did you realize that? Probably not. You're like, I got to pay my bill this week. You know, let me, let me just, I'm walking to the door. And it's been a tough week. Yeah, I'm so, yeah. But you're coming, even though you're complaining, you're coming in like with baggages of mercy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're coming with God's grace. You, the only reason you're here is because of God's mercy. Amen? I'm not talking about little mercies, big mercies. The only reason every one of you are here is because of God's mercies. And it's good to realize that. Because once you realize that, be like, oh, I could be in hell. I could be dying. I could be so arrogant and rebellious, full of iniquity. Could you not? <laughs> if Christ were to depart from us, we would be monsters. We would be orcs, right? But Christ has had mercy on us, and we came in. So there's, a, there's an attempt to, to describe this order. We want to understand the beginning of the work of salvation, what is going on now, and what is the end? What is the goal? Where's God taking us? And so we began to consider this work. And so I'd like to continue our topic. And we'll take it as, you know, just for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll dismiss. We've had a lot of scripture and, and, and just admonishment and exhortation and prayer. So I, I feel full today. I hope you feel full. What is the first work of God in Christ? And so we, so, so, and this is just kind of review, and we'll just, like I said, we'll take for five minutes and then. What is? You need to know where it all begins. And do not say, when Bobby gave me a track. That's not the beginning. That's like, the, that's like at the end. <laughs> that's like the end of the movie, you know what I'm saying? You know, and some people, they say, oh, that was it all started. No, it did not start there. What is the first work of God in Christ in the order of salvation? And this is where um, we are our first step in this work, magnificent work of God in the order of salvation is election and predestination that we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him. Right, so figure that out. God chose you in Christ. That's why all the glory belongs to him. All the honor begins to him. Don't ever diminish the impact of those two words. In him, God did not just choose you. God chose you in Christ. In Christ, so that Christ becomes supreme. Christ becomes the center of all that God is doing. Christ becomes everything. Amen? So we never, de we never detach ourselves as something in our own because we are in him. So it's in Christ even as he chose us in him 
When did he do that? Can somebody read the next few words? Before, say that with me, before the foundation of the world. Before, not during, not when Adam fell. Ooh, I, I, I gotta come up with a plan. Mm. <coughs> Adam, you really, you really messed me up. Okay, let's go back to the running table. Uh, okay, um, Charlie, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, before God created anything, before God made anything, before the world was founded, he had his elect in his mind. Isn't that beautiful? In fact, the elect is really, really the basis of all existence. Or the explanation might be a better word. The reason why God created everything and anything is because of those whom he loves. Nothing exists apart from God's eternal love for his people. Is that isn't that beautiful? This is mind-boggling. Before the foundation of the world, before the world, before there was a tree, before there was angels, before there was even a heaven, but before there was anything, God chose us in Christ that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us. This is before he made anything. In love. Now, you know what's, what's so beautiful about this? This is a mystery. I cannot, dis I cannot explain this to you. When it says in love, he predestined us. Well, let, let, I think um, this is a better. We'll go to Romans 8.29, and we're going to end with this. I, 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 want, I, want, I really want you to understand what, what does he mean by in love he predestined. For those he, he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Those whom he foreknew. Foreknew. He knew beforehand. That's really, he knew beforehand. Right? So, for new. Now, some of you might say, um, comes to your mind. Yeah, he knew about us. Nope, that's not what it says. That's not what it means. The word for new is really, um, to understand it is to understand it in its context, Jewish context. It does mean to know beforehand. It means to be acquainted with someone in a personal way ahead of time, before even meeting. Now, to, but to really, appreciate, to really appreciate what he meant by he foreknew us, you have to really look at it in the context of the Jewish culture. The Jewish culture, to know somebody was to have sexual intimacy. Oh, yeah, now all the kids wake up, yeah. It's okay. We shouldn't be afraid of that. God created sexual intimacy. To know somebody in Jewish culture is not just, hey, I know, I know Bob. It is intimacy of, of the most intimate kind. And we get that from 
the first time that the word new is used in the Bible. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Now, Adam knew his wife. Now, this does not mean that Adam goes to Eve, hey, um, what's your name? Um, my name is Eve. And, who, and you, Adam? And what do you like to do? Well, I kind of go in the garden. Once in a while, get up at 8 in the morning. You know, and, um, you know oh, really? And you like to play checkers? Nah, I don't like that. That's not what it means. He knew his wife. <laughs> and of course, what usually follows is conception. <laughs> and she conceived. That's not an accident. Because she knew, Adam knew his wife. The idea is that he loved her. He loved her physically, sexually, personally, Emotionally, he knew her. And, and the fruit of that is baby is born. The birds and the bees. So when God says, let's go back to Romans 4, 8, 4, uh, 8, Romans 8, 29. God foreknew you. <laughs> what does that mean? He foreloved you. But his love of the deepest, most intimate kind. It's not just a love. It, it is the highest possible divine love was manifested in the heart of God for us before the world began. Is that crazy? That's crazy. He foreknew you. He loved you. You are not just a face in the crowd. Now, when you, love, when you love somebody, you're emotionally connected, right? Unbelievable how God, before we're made, God establishes an authentic, a genuine emotional connection with you. I, I can't explain that. Is that crazy? How can you establish an emotional connection with someone that doesn't exist yet? Only God can do that. Amen? Before anything, his, he was emotionally already attached. Isn't that awesome? Everything that he's doing is with this attachment to his people. So that all that you see in creation in Genesis is the fruit of that attachment. Amen? God loves us. Look at Jeremiah 31.3, and with this we close. And the Lord appeared to him from a far away. I have loved you. With what kind of love? With everlasting love. So it all begins... Your salvation begins in eternity before the foundation of the world in God's divine love in taking pleasure to love you. That's where it begins. And if you can lay hold of that, this love is it's eternal. It's not temporal. It's not like one day God stops loving you, right? He will love you. You cannot 
break that lie. Amen? I'm, gonna, I'm going to stop right there. And we'll, pick, we'll pick it up next week. I wish we had more time, but we've been through a lot today. God has been good, but the first work of God in salvation is he loved us and predestined us, chose us in him. And this will be foundational for our lives. Let's pray. Oh, God, we thank you for this just wonderful time together in your presence. We're just so humbled by these truths. Lord, I pray particularly for the youth today. So many youth suffer from identity issues, self-esteem issues, not feeling loved, not feeling that anyone really cares. They have neglect in their lives. Sometimes a, a father is not there. Sometimes a mother's not there. Sometimes both parents are there, but they, they get neglected. So their lives grow up with this vacuum of love. And, and then sometimes, Lord, they, they try to fill that empty, emptiness with other relationships, and then those relationships disappoint them. I just pray, Father, that you would reveal the love of Jesus Christ to these youth, Lord, that they would know, they would know, Lord, how much you love them. They would, Lord, allow faith. You put faith in their hearts and, and just that they would, Lord, believe the message of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. That you would draw them, that they would sense, God, this destiny with your love that they would not look to the things of this world, that they would not look to relationships, to, to a guy, to a girl, Lord, to video games, to things that, that really do not satisfy. I pray for these youth that they would discover the glorious love of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, I just ask you, I ask you today, fill these kids, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. Fill them with your love. And I pray that for every adult. Even sometimes as adults, we grow up and we're, we're deficient. We've had family situations, parents that never, Lord, um, loved us. And, and yet, here you are reminding us of the eternal love of Christ for us. The eternal love of the Father. See what kind of love the Father has given us. That we shall be called the children of God. And I just pray, Lord, may you satisfy every heart with the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge and understanding. May you strengthen us today, Jesus. May you renew and revive our hearts, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your... your
your afternoon. Don't forget tonight, if you want to go out evangelizing, 6 o'clock, join us right here, and we'll go out by 6.30.